You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yes! This Christmas music. It's joyful and triumphant. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. Put that cookie down! Now! Aren't you the Prime Minister? Uh, yes. In fact, I am. Merry Christmas. Oh! Part of the service now. I'm trying to get round everyone by New Year's Eve. Oh. I will always be true. Spend my days pitching oh. to you. Oh, he's been singing for two hours. What's the matter, Charlie Brown? Don't you think it's great? It's all wrong. Look, Charlie, let's face it. We all know that Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate, you know. Come on. One, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yeah. I've got such a mutant Christmas tree, too. It's completely dark till about midway through, and then there's decorations and stuff like that. Well, oh, there's lights at the bottom, but let's just keep it all out of the way of Freddy. <laughs> Oh, and, like he's he... got his hands on and almost opened some like smaller presents that are under the tree, so those are now in the tree. <laughs> so it is the biggest hodgepodge looking tree you'll ever see. It's like a Charlie Brown tree. Uh a little. It's fake. Oh, okay. So I wanted to do the whole, you know, drive out to the country and chop one down and put it on the top of my car like a nice Norman Rockwell painting, but uh Brin said no. And apparently it's a lot more hassle than I have it in my head. Well, what a perfect segue, because this Canada FM episode, I'm Brian. Yee-bee-boo, I'm Chris Kringle. All right, Chris, hitting the sauce like a boss. Um, we're talking about the other part of Christmas besides the music, the movies, the specials, the uh, family traditions funny stories blah 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 and right there you just touched on a good one for my family okay because uh, my parents grew up you know they're well my parents are a year older than your dad your dad i think 40. yes my dad was 47 your parents are 46 right right yeah yeah um my parents are big they grew up in the era of the real trees mm-hmm. and so they wanted to keep that going with us so every year we would go and get a real tree and almost every year, the same thing would happen. My mom would pick some off-beaten road. She's like, Joe, go down here. My dad's like, that's not a road. It's like, go down here. We get the car stuck. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> we um, You get the car stuck? Where'd you go to get trees? Well, like, well, most tree sales are just in empty parking lots. No, no. like or The grocery no, store that sells trees now. No, no, would you actually go into the woods and find your own tree? No, no, like we went to a lot, but like like these lots were like acres and acres oh, wow. uh, where you would like drive. Like they were out in the like the sticks and out, like out of the city. And, oh, wow. okay. Um, you would go and you can like drive to this backfield that's probably another like five minute drive. Yeah. And just kind of park your car and wander and look for a good one. Then you bring it back, and that's where there's people with the cider and the, the little tree oh, shaking cool. to get rid of all the needles. Yeah. And, uh, so usually we would routinely either get the car stuck. Uh, my dad would drive through an opening that was too close and get the pine needles scr- scratching up the car. And one year <laughs> when we got older, my dad's like, I'm too old for this crap. You cut the tree down. So I bent over and I wasn't wearing a belt and I was wearing like corduroys. And oh, they, yeah, of course. That was the style at the time. And they went down the, 
uh, my crack was showing, my bro- uh, my brother grabbed a fistful of snow and just crammed it down my ass. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, corduroys sounded like such a good idea on paper. Thicker pant, you know what I mean? Nice and warm in the winter. But what people don't tell you when you get into buying corduroys is how quickly they they wear. And the first place they wear is the crotch. And you're going to have a very cold winter in corduroys if uh, the crotch goes. I mean, we're both bigger fellas. So, I mean, it's no doubt that we probably got bigger thighs that probably rub together. And that's why the crotch wears out. Unless you're constantly just rubbing yourself together. Yeah. I do remember one time like putting on my corduroys going, ah, these are fine. Uh, these will last me a little while longer. And then my sack just falling right out. <laughs> well, they're not fine. And I don't have a big sack either. I always say they're like bunched up socks that have gotten stuck to the top of the dryer, you know? Like, so that was that was something for them to fall out of the uh, the corduroys. Um, <laughs> See, I can't talk like this on the air at my job, so I have to talk like it here with you. Um, I'll never forget... I got my first pair of corduroys in like grade somewhere between grade four and six, and uh, we're standing. It was like the first day back from Christmas break, and we're, yeah. all sta- we're all standing around the concrete waiting to go in or whatever. Just people are just tossing a ball around, and Joel Johnson starts calling my my corduroys bell bottoms. I'm like, they're not bell bottoms. Like, yeah, maybe there's a bit of bagginess <laughs> like by the shin. It starts to cave yeah. in a little bit, but they're not these like obnoxiously like flared pants. So, like we were getting into it. Only Jeez. I could get it. But then again, you know, kids say stupid shit to pick on you, you know, and then it'll ruin a perfectly fine outfit. Yeah. I remember I went to the Gap because I Brandon's Bar Mitzvah was coming up, and I had to get some like nice. Uh, the the Gap was really advertising khaki pants. I remember they had the commercial with the Matrix technology, which the Matrix wasn't out yet, so it looked really cool. People swing dancing in khakis. I'm like, oh, geez, look at these pants. Oh, yeah, they use, like, like the light. bullet time effect to, like, swing yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're light. You can dance in them. This is, this is good shit right here. I didn't know anything about that. So my like, dad, I want some khakis. He's like, all right, that was a weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> we'll go to the gap, right? And I remember in the, the commercial, one of the swing dancers, this guy, had this nice, like, black T-shirt, but it was ribbed. So it had all these like little ribs in it, right? And you've seen a ribbed shirt now. You know what I'm talking yeah. about when I say a ribbed shirt. Sure. It's like a ribbed t-shirt, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, I want to look like that guy. You know, he's cool. He's swing dancing, <laughs> right? So I got my khakis and I got the shirt too. And I wore set outfit to school and I thought I looked good. And then you and Brandon gave me a hard time. It was like the seventh grade. Like, what are you wearing? That's a girl's shirt. I'm like, I got in the men's section. The men's shirt. It's a nice shirt. And you're like, no, no, no. No, I've seen chicks wear a shirt like this. Not, not, not for men. I'm like, this would not fit a woman. This is huge. And you're like, no, 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 no. No good. <laughs> and I never wore the shirt again. It just wasn't worth the hassle. Oh, well, how often in, uh, do you remember uh, how often I would wear Certain shirts, like Hawaiian shirts and other yeah. things, that people would bust my apple bag. Yeah, you know, who killed the couch was a big thing with you. Yeah, oh, Campbell, yeah, Campbell for that one. One time, I wanted to freaking murder Campbell. Do you remember this? I, I had, I got this nice winter jacket for Christmas. It, uh, it was that one that everyone called the Godfather shirt. Remember in like math class, everyone was like taking turns wearing it over their shoulders. You started that. Oh, maybe. I sort of remember it. Um, 
But yeah, it was, but we were wearing it because it was nice. Yeah. Well, you yeah. guys were Campbell. So I come out and it's it's. Do you remember those uh, Disney like silly symphonies? And there was the one where Donald Duck uh, gets in a snowball fight with Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. But he's got that big coat, that big fur coat on, and he like he jumps <laughs> and he rings the coat like a bell because it's so big. Yeah. One. That's kind of how. <laughs> It looked like a fur coat, but I think it was made out of like pine needles because they all like, fell off the coat. And uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, so it kind of had this like weird bell shape too. And the, I come out of the uh, the library. Campbell goes, "I thought black was supposed to be slipping." I'm like, "You fat fuck! You do a lot." Like I was like getting right in his face. And the gall of that guy I know. to criticize anybody on fashion when he had like two shirts for the like even today. He makes one trip to winners yeah. once every five years and picks out his outfits for the next five years. For sure. He wears the like yeah. now that like he's put on a little bit of weights uh since the days where he was a twig. But yeah. uh he still wears like the same like strike anywhere hoodie and uh I think there's like two or three other bands. I think he has a rise against one maybe. I don't know. But uh he wears like, he sits around criticizing hoodie. us about fashion. I'll tell you this much about fashion. So, if you ever lose weight, and you went through the exact same thing, if you ever lose weight and you find, like, a shirt or a pair of pants uh, that you either hadn't worn in a long time or something you just, you thought you could fit into, but you made a mistake, and you're so just sat in the back of your closet, and you're like, once you yeah. lose that weight, you dig it out, you're like, oh, I'm going to rock these. Oh, you feel like a million bucks. Well, you do, but also proceed with caution, because sometimes you jump the gun. And so, one oh. time... I bought. I had this pair of pants. They were like this weird, like maroonish red, like a pair of Howard Wallowitz pants. Okay. And uh, they were. I was living in Windsor at the time, and my roommate Sean and I were going out. And you know me being such an immature ham, so I go to like do an over exaggerated fart. Like I did this deep squat to like fart. Yeah. I tore my pants. Oh jeez. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe I wasn't. These pants weren't ready. I was sad because they were nice pants. I know, and it is a good feeling when you've lost enough weight to fit into something that you haven't fit into in years. It's like you have a brand new wardrobe. It's awesome. So I actually went back to the gym twice last week. Um, So I'm slowly getting back into it. So hopefully I can keep the momentum up and lose. I'll lose about 50 pounds. Hopefully I lose about 50 pounds. Um, all right, getting back to Christmas, because we got off yeah. on, like, a fashion thing. You were talking about Christmas trees, and, um... Well, I mean, fashion, you know, you, Christmas you, clothes, it works. Did, oh, yeah, I know. We always get uh, our Randy River every year for uh, Christmas, which we uh, loved in the high school times. <laughs> Can you hear uh, me all the way back in 1998? Well, that was the thing. You know, you and me, why did it always become, like, a competition between the two of us? Like, who got the better haul at Christmas? So we was- do our Christmas Day call where we could pair our present haul. It seemed to be a bit of a competition. I don't think it was about the quantity. It was about the quality. Like, if you said, you're like, oh, I got this nice V-neck shirt. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I got this nice bowling shirt. It's like, it's and the bowling be- shirts would always win. Yeah, for sure. A bowling like, shirt or a nice gotten- jersey. You were always getting yeah. the jerseys. I never got jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're hard to shop for, for jerseys. I bought you that Tomei jersey a couple of years ago, thinking it'd fit you, and then you sent me that picture of you, and you're like, <laughs> didn't fit at all. And I was like, oh. Well, it's because it's like my account got hacked because I bought them through the Baseball Hall of Fame website. They sent me some letter in the mail, 
And Brent laughed at me because I'm like, maybe they're sending me a free jersey. Like, maybe I like the one millionth customer or something like that. She's like, that's sending you free shit. And I looked at it and they're like, we are here to inform you that your account has been hacked. And I was like, oh, God. Only <laughs> but one thing for them ever. Uh, everything was fine, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, went through a possible identity fraud purchasing you that gift. You know, speak, speaking of presents, uh, as I told you earlier, your presents are in the mail up to T-Bay. And... Uh, you're already smoking one of your presents. I am. And Which one were, is that? It's it's one of the from the pack of like the stubbies you got me. Yeah. The, uh, what the hell is this? Uh, CAO. Yeah, CAO Brasilia Robusto. Oh, that's one of the better ones. Wait till you try the uh, the CAO USA. That's really good. Is that the big poppy one you got? No, no, no. This is the one that you'll notice. There's one in the pack that's like brown with like light brown. Kind oh, of I thought they were all the same. I didn't striking. realize it was... Uh, no, there's four different ones. Oh, nice. They're um, all made by CAO, though. I didn't realize how bad Canada Post really cornholes you on the uh, the shipping. <laughs> oh, yeah. Terribly. My uh, We sent we sent a big package down south for my parents and my sister in Sharn. And um, the shipping was the same price as Sarah and Sharn's gift. Yeah, same. And we got the cheapest one. <laughs> Um, I, you know, you know how some people get like employee discounts and stuff. I'm a yeah. fed. I work for, uh, I work for the federal government. Canada post is technically a federal government. I should get an employee discount. I should whip out my badge. Well, like, how about a little markdown there? That's I got an employee discount through pure later and that's where we went and it was still outrageous. No. And uh, so next year we're just going to ship everything through Canada post it takes two weeks, it takes two weeks. Yeah, hopefully yours comes before, so you can open it on uh, Christmas Day. Yeah, if it doesn't, not, no big deal. Yeah, I appreciate the offer. It's 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 nice. I think you like it. Hopefully, yeah, Freddie likes it. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. I have no idea what you got him. It's just this little. Uh, he doesn't listen, so nor does yeah. he understand. So it's just this little. Totally uh, understand. It's this like little pad that kind of helps with your sensory, so you can like touch and kind of like draw on it. It's like made by Crayola. It's basically oh. it's, it's almost like its own little etch a sketch. Like you can doodle on it and just like wipe it clean with your hand, and it like you wow. can press these buttons and it has sounds and it lights up. It's kind of neat. Okay, that's cool. This is the thing, you know. You, you being down there with all these kids that are just a little bit older with Freddie, you know, he, you're on the curb of where these where these things are going. What's going to be important for him for next step? So. Well, I got one for Charlie too. So uh, okay. So it's good for it's it's good for. I mean, it's it's credited age two plus, but because you know. Charlie uh, being a little on the, I don't know how, where he is on the range, but it's good for sensory. It's on the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. But it's good for sensory yeah. for people like that as they learn to touch and draw and like write and things like that. So I think, I think I've been, I've been telling you, like, it's, it's hard to tell how Freddie's developing when it, the, the people that are ahead of him in line are Charlie, Jamie, and Lucas. Right. And, you know, and then we don't have to put the stuff in the podcast. Probably shouldn't, but, um, <laughs> You know, with uh, Charlie and Jamie dealing with autism, and then Lucas also being like way ahead of the game. Yeah, there's no middle ground. Well, that's the thing. Like, so kids, we keep second guessing ourselves. How's he doing? Is he doing okay? I wouldn't. That's the thing. It's, it's like uh, I mean, you and I developed so different when we were kids. Yeah. So it's like you can't. True. No, I, I hate using this. Every kid was different. It's I hate using this because it sounds like some hippy dippy teacher bullshit, but literally every kid is like a snowflake. They are just unique. Yeah. So I'll do the Josh Adam Myers. <laughs> Look at your own test, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> Look at your own test, Kadoogle. 
Uh, what's it called? All right, getting back. Now we can continue to talk. Yeah. Although I know you, you're probably just going to leave that whole fucking thing in there. Probably. <laughs> anyway. Um, what else was I going to say? Well, you want to get into Christmas movies then? Because let's start with, uh, I don't know how we're going to format this. We're probably just going to ramble. Oh, but I know that you put up a Facebook post about watching it uh, last week. I beat you to it by a couple of days. And I honestly think it's the Christmas movie I watched the most every year. And it might be my favorite Christmas movie. Jingle all the way. (laughs) I don't know what it is about that. I remember my parents got it for us. Um, When, like, I I never saw it in theaters. Only got it on VHS. And they got it for us the day after Halloween when the teachers were on strike, when they were on strike. So that was a big deal because we didn't have extra money squirreled away, right? right? And that thing kept us so entertained. For a full month leading up to Christmas. Right. And I loved every minute of it. And I, I think it was like by like when Conan O'Brien started making jokes about Jingle All the Way, when he'd do the clutch cargo with Arnold, was when I realized like, wait, wait, people don't like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought this is a great movie. Oh, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that it has 19% on Rotten Tomatoes is a travesty. <laughs> I know, and it's 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 so well loved by the by fans. You know what I mean? It's I always say that Christmas movies can get away with so much shit that other movies can't get away with. Oh yeah, like you will ignore major flaws in a Christmas movie and still watch it over and over again because it's a Christmas movie. The only other movie that a lot of people do that with is Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, because those movies know what they are. Arnold's a fun guy to watch. You know, and the more hammy, the better. And now you have an Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas movie. It can get away with murder. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, know, Sinbad threatens people with letter bombs (laughs) in that movie. Like, how disturbing is that? And one of them is an actual, like, I got it at first that he he just made it up. Yeah. One of them turns out to be an actual bomb. Oh, that freaking line where he's like, I was a real bomb. This is a sick country we're living in. And it's all you got to street the head on that one. Yeah, big time. Um, Every year when I watch that movie, there's little things that I always just pick up on or just like things that just always make me laugh harder. Like the when they when they toss out the rubber balls and the guy's like and he Arnold's like, he got through and the guy's like, get the middle there. They all just die. I was like, what the king? What the king? <laughs> oh god. And then he shows up and then Jim Belushi shows up. Forget it, Santa. I'm not gonna sit on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because that's why you want to see Arnold. You want to see him hamming it up, and he hams it up huge in that thing. I'm not a burglar. I just was looking for Turbo Man doll. Little so trippy about that movie. Yeah, Pardon me? Oh, it's going to say so Phil so Hartman. Phil Hartman really hams up his creep role. Oh, God. Yeah, I'll tell you a great story about that. So, my grandfather died in um, the winter of 99. And Phil Hartman died in the spring of 99, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was 98. Yeah, so my grandfather died January of 99. Phil Hartman died spring of 98. So there was only like a couple of months where my grandfather was still here and Phil Hartman was gone, right? But during that period, we watched Jingle All the Way with him. 
I remember two things. Do you remember when uh, Sinbad's going off? You know it's a ploy, don't you? Yeah. We don't need to set up my big. Grandfather went, damn right! <laughs> Too. And then Phil Hartman, he's really it was oh there's cookies, right? Yeah. And my grandfather just yells, I can't stand the sound of that man's voice. Hart <laughs> tell that he was just horribly murdered by his wife. <laughs> it was a very awkward situation. He's like, No, oh, it's really annoying. Or like, That's a role he's playing. Did your, did your grandpap not realize he's playing the heel? Oh, that was, he, you know, he did. But, you know, Phil Hartman, you know, he had that big broadcastery voice. Right. And when he's overdoing it, like he's doing it in that movie, because he's got to match Arnold. Right. Right? And he's got to play it over the top. This whole movie's over the top. So, yeah. Well, even there's a scene where he, he gives, uh, or no, what does he do? Oh, he, he when he tells uh, Phil, um, What's his face? His wife to like go take a shower. I got the cookies, and he goes. He gives her like a hug and takes the apron off, and he's like, "Got that?" He's grabbing her ass. Well, he's got that creepy look on his face. Yeah. He's like, like, "Oh god." Yeah. Well, he's like, and that's a weird movie too because, like, he's a villain. He's one of the villains of the movie because he wants to steal uh, Rita Wilson away from Arnold. Would you classify Sinbad as a villain? No, or is he more just like a, 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 he just he, he hit the wall? He's a desperate guy. times call for desperate measures. Yeah, it was no different than anyone else in like a depression era thing, or like someone like at the uh, who just lost their job, or just like anyone who was just down on their luck, who uh, just you know made some bad decisions. Now, what if I put it this way? You got to remember when he makes that bad decision, he I ties mean, a guy up, leaving him in his underwear. Yeah. On a rooftop in Minnesota in the winter. Yeah, not to that sounds like murder to me. He also chases a child yeah. to the top of a building, <laughs> puts him in horrible like, endangerment. And him and Arnold, when they were going at it, they uh, they weren't exactly being gentle with one another. So Sinbad, he goes to jail at the end of the movie, but he is kind of a villain. <laughs> Yeah, even though you feel for him because you want his son to, you know, have a good Christmas because he's just trying to get his toy for his son, right? And Arnold does, like, he does have good intentions at the beginning that Arnold kind of rejects. Yeah. But that's kind of an old uh, villain origin story there. You got to remember, Ted, he is a victim in all this. He's set up by the by the car, by the toy. Yeah, damn right. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Well, that's one of them. Another uh, great Christmas movie would be the Santa Claus. And actually, they so Disney Plus put out this like little TV series that's yeah, a continuation Claus. of the Santa Claus. Pardon me? Clauses. It's not bad. I was very pleasantly surprised at how good the writing was. Well, I think it was one of those things <laughs> that Tim Allen... Uh, like, I don't know if he was like, I demand to play this role if they were going to recast him like Buzz Lightyear. I mean, obviously, I didn't realize that's a young Buzz Lightyear, so I get it. But um, Yeah, it's also supposed to be, the way that the creators of that Buzz Lightyear movie set it up, it was supposed to be a movie that exists within the Toy Story Oh, okay, so it's not universe even the real Buzz Lightyear. The character of Buzz Lightyear is based on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, even in that sense, like... 
you know, and they wanted to, yeah, they wanted to turn it into its own franchise, right? You know, um, no, but he and I, he does he does a good job. Uh, it's a little sad watching him because he's starting to slur his words a little bit, which happens when you get a little older, right? You know, like uh, yeah, my dad does it sometimes. It gets me a little, oh, a little sad. And Tim Allen's starting to do that. Uh, he doesn't shoehorn his politics into it, which is nice. Yeah, uh, it's a nice political free movie, and uh, yeah, it's just enjoyable. Well, I think that's why he probably came back because he's like, well, this is I am the Santa Claus, basically, because like that's a yeah. lot of people of our generation's childhood. The first one, I kind of drifted off after the second one. I saw the first and second one. I was like, I'm good. So by the, yeah, I, didn't like, by the, I didn't like the second or the third. Yeah, but this one is is a lot of fun. It's the best thing they've done with that franchise <laughs> since the first one. I remember seeing the uh, the first one in theaters. Um, yeah, I saw it in theaters too. My mom took my brother and I and our friends from London to Shoe Bottoms, and okay. uh, there's a scene where he's got the. You remember the scene? He's got the snow globe thing. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of scenes with the snow globe. Well, there's a, there's one where he's like, the stupid thing doesn't work, or the damn thing doesn't. And there's some little kid in the audience is like, "Mommy, why doesn't the damn thing work?" <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh boy. No, oh, no, what's it called? I, I just remember ah, feeling so full of the Christmas spirit when I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah. And I would use arguments. And what I liked about that, because I was one of those kids, like, I still believed in Santa Claus, like, right through, like, fifth grade, sixth grade, right? Yeah. And uh, that movie gave me so much ammo to defend the case for Santa. <laughs> I appreciated it. Because all the kids are trying to ruin Christmas for me. I go, hey, well, what about this? And they're like, hey, you saw that movie, didn't you? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> um, I want to pivot to Home Alone. Okay. First of all, do you know what's hilarious? Of all the takeaways from that movie, yeah. Uh, I mean, the child endangerment, the neglect. Uh, also, I read on IMDb that John Hughes basically, there. I guess he was worried about like mothers' groups who said like, "I would never leave my child behind." So he's like. I have to iron out every plot hole foreseeable to like understand why he would get left. So like the power, oh yeah, phone, all that. But the the one glaring plot hole is he he creates this character who's so savvy that a he can like you know he's doing his laundry, he's making dinners, he's going shopping at eight. He tells the the grocer not to. I can't talk to you because you're a stranger. I can't tell you where I live. Yet yeah. at the end of the movie, he goes to that Santa Claus, uh, and he, he gives him his address. And he's like, that kid, that Santa Claus could have been like a murderer or someone like the guy in Bad Santa. He just kind of came over to his house and like robbed him. You know, it, it's been so long since I've seen that movie because, you know, I'm arachnophobic and I don't like tarantulas. It's like three scenes. It's a lot, though. He comes out of no Because, okay, so with the tarantula, like you see him in his terrarium at the beginning where Buzz is like, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula, right? <laughs> And then he knocks over all that shit and tarantula gets loose. Yeah. And then after he does the ah, you see him scurry around. And that always right. scared me because it came out of nowhere. You see him a couple other times too, just, and, but it's always out of nowhere when you see him. It's like, yeah, exactly. So I was always on high guard. <laughs> um, I thought, what's it called? Uh, so getting back to what you were saying about oh, yeah, yeah. that Santa Claus. It's that heavy set guy. Hey, he's got that voice. Guy, I don't know his name. But he did those uh, the commercials for, I think it was for like Bell or Telus. He did them with Norm. Oh, yeah? Like way back when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the voice of one of them. 
Maybe he was supposed to be like an Artie Lang other. type, but Artie Lang was in rehab or something. Maybe. <laughs> um, aside from the, you know, the, ah, and the blah, blah, blah. The thing that's obvious, that's like passed down generations is the conspiracy theories, or not even conspiracy theories, just like ideas on Reddit and stuff about what Peter McAllister yeah. does for yeah. a living. Because he's like, he's got this like million dollar, a couple of million dollar house. Like that's what it's sold for. Oh, okay. And you know, and he's you know, he's taking his five him and his wife and like five kids. I think his McAllister clan is five. I think his brother has like three or four, then like the other brother has like one or two. They well, there was a third brother? Yeah, because that's who was the one who lives in France. And then when he Oh, goes, okay. When he goes to New York, that's the brother. I just go to New York where they're like seven, seven, fourteen. <laughs> so they each have seven. So I'm uh, assuming five kids in each family plus parents. Yeah. But like basically he's taking the bulk of them to this trip to Paris. Not to mention like this their house is just very nice. So I'm like Yeah. Well they like, they've got money. There's actually two um two uh in canon theories about what they do for money. Yeah. So there's actually a fourth home alone where that's supposed to take place in the original home alone uh canon. Yeah. Uh it's in Miami for whatever reason, and uh, they divorce, and Peter McAllister gets uh, remarried, and uh, he's some kind of—I don't know what it is—but he's just some kind of businessman. That's how they explain the obscene wealth because he has a smart house. When Kevin goes to stay with him for the holidays, he has a smart house. So his obscene wealth is just because he's a businessman. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't narrow it down. Uh, also, I should mention that Marv in that movie is played by French Stewart. <laughs> and no disrespect to French Stewart, but it uh, doesn't quite hold up to the character Daniel Stern put, it, put out there. But play that clip right here. It's a better when Jimmy Fallon delivers it. I'm a late bloomer, Alex, and in double jeopardy, I'm going to bloom. <laughs> sure you will. What do you want? There we go. <laughs> um, but then in the book, the novelization of uh, Home Alone, they reveal that I believe he's a real estate agent, and Kate McAllister is a fashion designer. That explains so all they both got income. big incomes coming in, and uh, that's why they have the big house that can afford these big trips and can okay. afford seven kids or five kids or whatever. Yeah, because there was uh, there was rumors or like stuff on the internet that he might have been like a businessman, air quotes, but like might have been like because it was Chicago mafia ties. Yeah. There's that scene where he's, uh, you know, when he's talking to Joe Pesci at the beginning of the first one, where he's like, what am I, under arrest? Because he's all, like, standoffish by the police. I mean, it would make <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. Uh, there is theories, though, that Kevin uh, grew up to become Jigsaw. <laughs> because he was left home alone? Yeah. Well, and also, he came up with all those booby traps. Oh, true. And it's a fan theory that... Um, uh, Macaulay Culkin's really leaned into and there's a YouTube video I forget, it was for a show where he gets picked up it was like one of those like taxi cab confessionals oh, yeah. and he's playing Kevin McAllister and he gets in there he's smoking and he's all paranoid and he's talking about all he basically is, is a psychopath uh, <laughs> as an adult but uh, yeah from always being neglected as a kid and oh yeah well, to be honest I mean the neglect is one thing but I think his trip to New York probably would have fucked him up seeing at eight years old seeing like those street walkers and the junkies and all that stuff because he was clearly spooked <sighs> yeah 
That could have been it. It, it yeah, the trauma of doing it two years in a row yeah. is pretty rough. Plus, um, and he like, was, but you gotta remember, it wasn't all bad in New York. Like he no, was living it up for the first little bit. That's true. In the Plaza Hotel, he's losing his bathing suit doing doing the cannonballs, uh, eating giant like buffet troughs of ice cream. I was always so jealous of that. Yeah, he's having a great time. And at the beginning, of it's, it's both the movies are the same formula. You know, he has a great time at the beginning, and then he misses his family, and he gets into trouble. But also, we don't know. We are going under the assumption that these are just winter mishaps. You don't know what kind of shenanigans he's getting into in the summer. <laughs> Do you ever think that that's true? <laughs> Do you ever think like, the whole... Stand by me moment where Buzz takes him out to the woods and he's like, sees a dead body. <laughs> Yeah. Do you ever think that Home Alone 2 would have been different if uh, Harry and Marv weren't just so hell-bent on revenge? Like, remember, they're like, he took our picture! How'd, I, how'd my hair look? And then they go chase him <laughs> back to the booby-trapped house. They should have known better. Where they're like, oh, he led us to a house. Hmm. How's this gonna go? And they play it off like they're smart for most of the movie. Like, they've learned their lessons from almost dying the first year. When he hit Marv with the first brick, they should have said, okay, we've got the money. Let's just hightail it out of New York City as fast as we can before he calls the cops and they go out looking for us. <laughs> right? That's what they should have done. The but instead, is- no, they wanted their revenge. And they, got their, oh, they got pecked at by birds and bricks in the head and electro- electrocuted. Falling from great heights, head set on fire, and they should have died multiple times. The the thing, well, first of all, I bet they probably both had CTE. God, I ran through this, by the way, this uh, eggnog and rum so fast. <laughs> they probably had CTE, so they don't fully remember what happened last year. Um, but also, you know, Harry strikes me as much more of a uh, hardcore criminal who does more than B&Es. Because he seems like a no loose ends, almost like mafia, like his characters in like Goodfellas and Casino. It's like no loose ends, we gotta take care of this. But at the same time, they have to look. Granted, Kevin is a child, but Kevin sent them to jail. Yeah. In the first movie, they have to know what he's capable of. And even Marv says it. You know, this time he doesn't have a house full of goodies to get us with. When he leaves. <laughs> to a house that he has access to, they should know that the house is going to be booby-trapped and not follow him in. And when he hurls a brick at the one of the two, actually, Harry should just left Marv on the street. <laughs> Taking all the money for himself and hightailed it. Yeah, It's kind of like Gilligan on Gilligan's Island. Do you remember when the professor, you, know, uh, you remember on that episode of That 70 Show, he's watching Gilligan's Island, he's like, ah, Gilligan screwed it up. He always screws it up. They should just kill him. What's the deal with the professor? He can uh, make a radio out of a coconut, but he can't fix a hole in the dang boat. Exactly. That's kind of the same situation with uh, Marv. He's the one holding Harry back. And he should just he should just let it, left them there. It's true. He's going to gotten him, and he would have been able to hightail it, and I'm sure he's got connections. In the first one, okay. in the first one, Marv left all those calling cards, the the wet bandits, all the all the water damaged houses, so they don't yeah. exactly which ones were hit. So, because when they got caught, they could have easily said this was the first one, our first robbery. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes, we we went after this kid, but he went after us first. Yeah, you know? there's a lot of people robbing houses. Exactly. Uh, you don't but, do that much time. Honestly, you don't do that much time for robbing one house. Yeah. Yeah. So that, but that's the thing. But because Marv was such a halfwit. 
<laughs> did all the uh, did all the uh, uh, wet bandits crap. They knew exactly. They went after like five or six houses. Yeah. Uh, if you do a wet bandits prequel, I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. Talk about other Christmas movies. Well, we mentioned uh, Love Actually on yeah. the uh, the last oh. one. That's always a good one. Uh, what do you got? No, uh, the one of my favorite scenes in Love Actually, aside from Hugh Grant dancing to, uh, oh, what the hell's that? Song? Pointer Sisters. Yeah, thank you. That scene's yeah. hilarious. But uh, for some reason, the scene that always makes me laugh is the scene with Colin Fir- uh, Firth, where he's like, he's bringing this all these bags of gifts for his like nieces and nephews, and uh, he's just like, right, I'll see you. And the one kid goes, I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> that movie basically every year it's just a feel-good movie i don't know yeah. if I, I think my favorite scene would probably have to have to be the uh, rowan atkinson cameo oh those are freaking hilarious just because it's so long yeah. and unnecessary <laughs> that's also the perfect role for him yeah you know just be a shifty guy. shifty interesting guy yeah and like oh, how he like stops the security from getting uh liam neeson's son at the end like he's yeah. some kind of guardian angel or something yeah, yeah. i think that's what they, i think uh there's a theory that he was like um like a clarence from a uh it's a oh sure, life. okay, but uh, yeah. Oh fuck yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, other Christmas movies. Uh, I think okay, we talked about it in the other podcast about Die Hard and why that gets the Christmas movie attention, where other movies like uh, Lethal Weapon don't. Uh, you got anything about Die Hard you want to go over? Um, I mean, I think people just need to shut up about it and like put the argument to bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like either you think it's a Christmas movie or you don't. Just like people need to like take so every year people need to take some grandstanding like it is not a Christmas or even like I I think I once saw a girl's dating profiles like it's like we're not going to be on the same page if you don't think it's a Christmas movie. It's like okay, that's a really Ugh. weird hill to die on. I was just like pass. Second of all, would you enjoy Die Hard any less? No, I can watch if that. If it was movie. categorically not a Christmas movie, the first time I saw Die Hard was like in January or February after Christmas. Yeah, I was homesick from school, and my dad was also homesick. Yeah, my dad was just like, "All right, we're gonna watch a real guys movie, Die Hard." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, let's do it." That was the first time I saw it, so it was after Christmas, and I didn't enjoy it any less because I didn't watch it on the holiday. Well, like I've watched Die Hard in the begin, in the middle of the summer before. You can well. First of all, like, what happens if you walked into the theater when when it first came out? And like, was it eighty nine or ninety? Eighty eight. Okay. Um, like, you could have walked in the theater and missed that first bit of the Christmas party preamble, not even you know realized it was set on Christmas Eve until the very end, right? Um, yeah. It's it's literally just that first twenty minutes of just Christmas party and you know Christmas and Hollis and but like doesn't take anything away from the story. No, but, it, you know, there's other stuff they throw. Like, I've got a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Right. You know, he uses a Christmas wrapping to put the gun on his back when he runs into Gruber at the end. Uh, they do little nods and play Christmas carols throughout the uh, the movie. Uh, there's lots of little allusions to it being Christmas throughout. But the other they're thing they're sprinkled say, in there. Yeah, there's, like a nice Christmas cookie. There's certain movies that, for for some people, are a Christmas movie that like like in How I Met Your Mother they the, the stupid Ted 
loves Star Wars so much. Like that's a Christmas movie for him because he just watch it. He can watch it at any time in the year, right? Yeah, like you don't have to exclusively watch Christmas movies in December. Right, just like people who yeah. watch horror films all year round. I, sure. I for Scream, I typically keep my horror films to October. Uh, yeah. But other people, it's like I'll watch, I'll watch a Saw franchise on Christmas Day. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um. So I don't, you know, it, it helps. I think getting you into the mood of the movie if it takes place on Christmas when you're watching it. Sure. But I don't, you know, if it's not a great, who cares? Who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one movie that we should definitely touch base on that we haven't yet is uh, Christmas Vacation. We haven't yeah. mentioned that at all in the last two episodes. I think you and me are both on the same page. Favorite character from that movie would be uh, Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany. Oh, did I break wind? Why did the road clear out, Bethany? <laughs> I hear sound, and I'm going to put the cigar in for flavor. You're going to hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Grace, if you're not doing anything constructive, go into the living room and get me my stogie. <laughs> so you know what the cigar is funny. So what's the matter with you? So what's the matter with you? <laughs> and then also the giant pratfall he takes at the end when the sewer explodes. Oh, yeah. That that's hilarious. <laughs> His back's on fire. <laughs> well, there's like that. There's the um uh wasn't it him? No, sorry, that was uh Chevy Chase's mom, who he just basically upends over the couch when they see the squirrel. <laughs> yeah. just slips over, just like not even having a care. Oh God! It's so funny. Oh, it's so weird that vacation <laughs> franchise because I love the first vacation. Yeah, the second vacation I hated. Was European vacation. Oh, that was shit. <laughs> and then Christmas vacation, I love. I've never seen Vegas vacation. I'm not gonna Ve- lie, Vegas vacation. I never saw the. I've heard a lot of people like it. It's it's fun. It's, yeah. it's it's Chevy Chase going overboard again, but it just he develops a gambling problem, and uh, and Rusty, who's played by Ethan Embry now, uh, yeah, he gets a fake ID and just has like all the luck. Like the can I spoil like the like not the end, but just like the last scene of the movie. Yeah, go ahead. They're all driving with like because uh, uh, Chevy Chase blows so much money. He had to hawk their like plane tickets, yeah. so. Uh, Rusty wins four cars. So at the end of the movie, they're all driving <laughs> home. And he's hitting all these slot machines. Oh, weird, the Rusties. I, so I don't know if anybody from European Vacation caught on. But for Rusty, he had Anthony Michael Hall, Johnny Galecki. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Ethan Embry. And then technically Ed Helms, because that reboot yeah. that they did, he plays Rusty Griswold. So weird catalog of actors. And then, of course, Juliette Lewis was Audrey uh, Griswold yeah. in uh, Christmas Vacation. I'm not sure who the other Audreys were, but she's probably the, she's easily the most famous. Right. Yeah. Um, it's weird that Chris Columbus was supposed to direct that, but he's like, I cannot work with Chevy Chase. He's horribly difficult to work with. Yeah. It's nothing new. Oh, I know. But it just, yeah. it's, like, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, not, I'm sure it wouldn't have made that much of a difference, but it'd be interesting if he did that instead of Home Alone, because he did it like the next year. If Home Alone would have been any different. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, there have been other movies. Like, I think 
I'm I'm not sure if uh, he was looked at. I think for Uncle Buck um, before Hughes decided he wanted to direct it himself. Oh. And of course, that had Macaulay Culkin and John Candy, and uh, it's what got Macaulay Culkin his role in Home Alone. Well, yeah. So uh, because he got because he was an Uncle Buck originally, uh, John Hughes basically wrote it for him, but Chris Columbus yeah. was like. He didn't want to seem like he was going to be like bullied in Hollywood casting the same kid. He's just like, oh, you're a pushover. He's going to put the same people and everything. Like, uh, so they auditioned all these people, wasted all his time. Yeah. And they're like, he was the he was the right fit anyway. So they wasted so much fucking time auditioning like, I don't know, 100 kids or 40 kids. Something, yeah. I don't know. Something ridiculous. That's, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, you go through and, you know, poor, uh, you know, and getting back to the first movie we talked about, you know who I do feel bad for? Who's that? Jake Lloyd. You know? How many people run up to him and say, hey, I loved you in Jingle All the Way. No, they all run up to him and go, fuck you, Anakin. <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> I, like, he's not, like, I will actually give him a pass on Star Wars. You know, you can only do so much. But yeah. in Jingle All the Way, he was a mopey little brat. Oh no, my dad wasn't there for the uh, for my karate thing. But he does. He breaks his back trying to like make a good living and do all these other things for him. You know what? Even when I was a kid, when he yells at him, and he's like, "Why are you all keeping your promises?" And Arnold's like feeling bad. I'm like, you've been bending over backwards for your son today. Now, yeah. granted, he he's bending over backwards for his son today because yeah. he forgot about his son for weeks and weeks and weeks. Okay, let's be honest. Let's let's just let's, to be fair. Let's told uh, Jake Lloyd he gets enough shit that we got to shit on him too. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. Did you see that kid's room? The freaking Captain America in your awesome room. Like yeah, that, clearly that kid's like got it good. I mean, obviously material possessions are not everything. Obviously, you want like you know that's one thing. Like my dad never rarely missed a hockey game of mine or a baseball game. So it's like he was yeah. always Mr. Reliable. So uh, we had it more the opposite. But still, that kid ain't hurting. No, he's not hurting. But at the same time, you can tell he, he doesn't give a shit about the Turbo Man. Well, he wants a Turbo Man. He says any kid who doesn't get one's going to be a real loser. Yeah. Right? But he wants his dad there more. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Howard should have picked it up earlier. He's, he's got so many connections. With I'll give you a free bed if you put a Turbo Man aside for me. Can't do yeah, that. But I mean, all those beds. Granted, uh, Rita Wilson. We don't know much about her backstory, but I mean, I don't know if she was a homemaker or if she had a job. She could have also it's like my husband's an absent-minded buffoon who's a workaholic. I better go do this. Just in a worst-case scenario, we get two, and we can either sell one and you know gouge people. Give one to Sinbad. Give one to Sinbad. Gouge people. <laughs> Or, uh, you know, just return it on Bo- – well, I don't have Boxing Day, but the day after Christmas, just return it. Or, or he could have got that idea in his head to steal the Turbo Man from Tad a lot earlier. <laughs> well, Johnny not getting one on Christmas Day? Ah, I'll show him. <laughs> Telling him his parents are going to divorce. <laughs> Brad <laughs> bastard. <laughs> oh, boy. You know Sorry, you want to pivot? Okay, go ahead. Last movie, and it's just, it's another one of those pseudo uh, Christmas movies that just friends with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, you know, can I tell you something about that movie? Sure. One of the reasons why I gave it a watch a couple of years ago was because, uh, oddly enough, Mark Maron used to go off on how much he liked that movie. 
Because he's like, it's slapstick. It's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, you know, it's good enough for him. Maybe it's good enough for me. I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Um, look, not I'm not going to say the words, but they use two pretty offensive words quite liberally in that movie just to show you. And like, for no reason. I'm trying to remember. Oh, he's, he's, he's constantly... Look, you have out. to not put you have to not put this in. I'll bleep this out. Okay, he he constantly is calling him, you know, calling the other F word. Come constantly, and then oh dad, yeah, the two like, brothers. The girl's dad right. is like, he's like you lost a lot of weight. He's like, yeah. He's like, like that from Subway. <laughs> like why? That was so unnecessary. Yeah, that wasn't even funny. Like just because he said that word, so I I felt like yeah, this didn't age well when I watched it. Anyway, please edit that out. I'm going to be very upset if that's all kept in. <laughs> um, very upset. Uh, you got to remember, well, the other thing, too, is every time I watch that movie, I always want to, like, man, I'm going to be like Ryan Reynolds. I'm not going to touch sweets for, like, ten years. And, like, the next day I'm eating, like, a big dish of candy cane ice cream. I'm like, fuck that guy. I think he, he didn't eat sweets for, like, ten years because he was horribly traumatized. Well, he was also morbidly really? obese, but well, but yeah, but he he kicked the Swedes as a result of his trauma. See, bullying <laughs> works. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he got into shape. But yeah, but he's he's a very messed up person. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's so narcissistic. He's a womanizer. Yeah. He has commitment issues. He's yeah, he's got so many problems. Yeah, not to, like not to mention, he was so traumatized that not only did he like I don't know where he went to college, but he went he he moved to L.A. across the country because he's from New Jersey originally. Yeah. So he and he never goes home for Christmas. He flies his brother and his mom out to their to his yeah. house. Like that's how traumatized he can't even set foot in the state. That's how traumatized he was. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. I just really didn't like it. I did, but I mean, obviously, I understand. It's a goofy mid two thousands Ryan yeah. Reynolds movie. It's not going to be for anybody or everybody. It's so. not nearly as offensive when you watch it in the mid two thousands than when you watch it now. <laughs> now it's much more. Um, what's it called? Let's talk. Any SNL. other Christmas? Well, sure, let's I mean, talk as now. I mean, we could use at the end of the episode. I say we give probably like our top three movies if we get if we remember that. We don't. Okay, but sure, because uh, I've got uh, forty minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. So, SNL, did you see, did you watch the video I posted today? No. Uh, on our Instagram page, and I shared it on my story. No, let's see it now. It's basically just three minutes of very, uh, you'll love the first clip. I'll trim this okay, part down, on. but you'll love the first clip. I thought of you when I put this in. Okay, hold on here. Oh, yeah, I did see this part. <laughs> oh, this is great. The Pacino. Uh, oh, that's uh, one of my favorite newer skits of. Uh, of... <laughs> Jeff Lushy. <laughs> Mr. Robinson. Oh, there's Matt Foley. Oh, 
Oh, the shitter was full. Oh, yeah. And what they made this sketch so funny was Tracy Morgan running on the spot. You know, like... Yeah. Could have made that thing like ten minutes finding some of the best stuff. You did a good job with it. Yeah, there you go. I end it with Lucky Kia. There you go. Um, but yeah, SNL did do some that, like even in like lean seasons, they usually pulled out all the stuff for Christmas ones, like the yeah. that freaking John Belushi with the I forgot what they were advertising when he was just like the drunk. Like, oh, oh, it was uh, it was yeah. like toilet seat covers, but yeah. they're for Santa's lap. <laughs> he was like. You gotta go to another Philippe. <laughs> it's like just destroying Belushi. He's like, before Kringle goes to the unemployment line on boxing day, make sure you protect yourself for his germs. Yeah, he's ah, like, oh, oh, oh. Make sure you don't get a tick from old Saint Luke. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I got those first two. Um, SNL seasons on DVD. Yeah. And uh, Candace Bergen hosts the second Christmas special. That's what they did. Yeah, you know, he did the toy guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, right. You know, with the Megan Mega Nails to that guy. He's like, well, what about this one? It seems so safe, right? You got the phone here. It's like, oh, 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 oh. he just starts choking himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she does this one bit. I forget what it was. It's just a quick introduction. But I was shocked because they didn't expect it. Because you know they'd push the envelope with SNL. And she's like, so uh, I imagine that all of our, uh, what's it called, uh, SNL cast members are about to go home for the holidays. Uh, Gilda goes back to Michigan. Danny goes back to uh, Canada. And Garrett goes back to Africa. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? And she just said like off the cuff like that. I was like, Jesus. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, <laughs> well, this is the same show that uh, Chevy Chase and the Garrett Morris got into about, or Richard Pryor, sorry, got into a Richard Pryor, yeah, yeah. A battle of racial epithets. <laughs> honky, honky. Dead honky. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but what's it called? No, they had so, wow. I'm trying to think of like what some of my favorites would be. Uh, I you know the Hanukkah song is up there is one of my favorite SNL yeah uh, holiday I guess bits right because that song it was just so catchy yeah and when he did the original it was just Adam Sandler with his guitar being goofy he wasn't the biggest star in the world like he'd become like a year later right you know uh, that was one of my favorites um, OJ Simpson still not a Jew still not a Jew <laughs> um. What else? I loved the uh, obviously the Farley yeah. as uh, as, uh, as Santa Sam. Claus, yeah. Uh, but also they did one with uh, in the eighties with uh, Lovitz, where he was the master thespian at Christmas. Oh yeah, and he was a store Santa, and uh, uh, Phil Hartman played the guy from the old Jack Benny program. Yes, oh yes, he was that guy. That was funny. And then, of course, for the 80s, you had the uh, It's a Wonderful Life alternate ending, oh, yeah. which might be their best, one of their best Christmas sketches ever. Yeah, he was like, Clarence, I want to live again. And then uh, he ends up just, he's like, you're nothing but a scurvy little spider. And he starts beating him up. 
That's the whole thing. They just beat him to a bloody pulp. And then they're all just like celebrating over his cars. Oh, so on YouTube, I, I like try to I try to find like old Christmas specials that I can watch. Right. So the other day I was going through and I found uh, this old uh, Jack Benny Christmas episode from his show yeah. and it had the yes guy on it, right? But the whole thing is that I, I didn't realize how dark the humor would be even in the 1950s. So the whole bit is at the beginning of the uh, the the episode, he's at a mall, he's Christmas shopping, and uh, he goes to buy his announcer a wallet. And uh, he makes sure – it's actually Mel Blanc who plays the salesperson who did the voice of Fred Flintstone and uh, you know all the Hanna-Barbera characters back in the day. And uh, he goes to get a wallet and he gets the guy to gift wrap it, wrap it for him. But then he wants to change the card. And he keeps going back to the guy who has to go down to the mail room and get it. He keeps getting more and more upset every time he has to go get the present to rewrap it. And so he can change minor things about it. At the end of it, the guy kills himself. Jeez. <laughs> Jack Benny's like, oh, I didn't get the right change. Like, he's like not moved by the fact that he just witnessed a suicide at all. He's more concerned about the money than the store owes him. <laughs> it's so dark. For the 1950s, you could get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is surprising because, you know, the post-war boom in America, everything was, well, for some people, everything was great. And uh, yeah. so you think everything would be more uplifting. That's so tough. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, that, that show holds up because, uh, I don't know if you know this, the Jack Benny program, but he had his, 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 his butler character was Rochester, uh, who was played by a, a black actor. And when the show went from the radio to television, they wanted to recast Rochester with either a white actor or, you know, someone wearing. I don't think they. I think that blackface was. They're finally stopping blackface, but they want. Right. They didn't want him as part of the show. So he's like, if you don't let this guy be a part of the show, I'm not doing the show. Wow. And put his foot in the ground. And Rochester was always treated with like dignity. Right. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't made to be like, yeah, he was his butler, but they were still pretty much equals. Right. Um, which was rare on TV at the time. And so a lot of that stuff, if you ever look up the old Jack Benny program, a lot of it holds up really well today. Yeah. Yeah. There's one Christmas special. My parents got me a tape. And mm. It uh, it's uh, it had that same silly symphony one, but there's one called Santa's World. Oh, it's a Bugs Bunny. No, no, it's uh, it's uh, Disney. Oh, so Disney. Okay. It has the uh, the episode where Chip and Dale are in Mickey's Christmas tree, and they yes. get in a fight with Pluto. Um, yes. And there's another one called Santa's Workshop, and it's from like 1932. Oh God, I know the one you're talking about. And. And so it's all this like musical thing where it's like she's going through yeah. this list and they're building the toys and everything. And then there's a scene where Santa, uh, he's basically doing quality control. And so this toy slides down the chute and it says like, say mama. And it's like, ma. And he's like, no, no, mama. And it's like, mama. And he stamps it okay. Then there's another one that slides down and it had very black features. Yeah. <laughs> and it said, mammy. And he starts laughing. He stamped itself. It was so like jovial. It just like hopped on the okay stamp. Yeah, I remember seeing that going. What the fuck? I well, when I was a kid, I watch it all the time. I'm like, it sounds like he's saying mommy, but not really. I didn't realize it was Bammy. I didn't realize what it was for a long time. Yeah, yeah. What they've actually done on on Disney Plus is they kept all that stuff in. 
and they put a warning. They're like, yeah. look, this is dated as hell. Yeah. Just remember that when you're watching it. We know it's dated. You should know it's dated too. What's weird is it's, it's, a, two kept it all in. it's a two-parter. Because the second one, they go to this, like, I don't know, it's someone's house or like an orphanage or something. There's like 10 kids sleeping in the same bed. But uh, yeah. And, like, and it comes down the chimney and he pops a, he he gives them a tree and uh, all the weird sentient toys like decorate the tree and then get themselves underwards but they don't, yeah i know that one i don't think they actually show that on disney plus i think you'd have to find that oh, maybe YouTube. not but there uh, was one i don't know if you ever seen this one it was um it's like mickey on christmas eve and in this one he's all poor and he has he needs money so he sells pluto to this like rich guy Oh. And his like brat of a son, and they're all pi- they're pigs, right? right? Oh yeah, yeah. And so the brat of the son's always like pulling Pluto's tail and whacking him in the head, and like there's a scene where the the dad like his butler like shake hands <laughs> like that, and that scene where they shake hands used to crack my brother up. Like oh. it's it happens in the first ten seconds, just two pigs shaking hands, <laughs> but he thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But on yeah. Saturday, I'm sure your brother told you that him and my brother and I saw Violent Night, the one with David Harbour. I, I know, I knew he saw Violent Night. I didn't know he saw it with uh, with you guys. Um, so there's a scene. It's a very sweet movie. Like, first of all, the, the violence is just hilarious. But like, oh, it's over the top. I've heard, yeah. But there's a couple of sweet moments with the the daughter uh, and everything. But the daughter basically has her own Home Alone moment and sets up these booby traps. But they're insanely violent. Your brother was just losing his shit. I was like, all right, calm down. I'm like, I'm literally like, it's funny. I'm like, relax. That's funny. And that's, you know what? I've heard that uh, John Leguizamo was the villain in that. Yeah. Which is great because it's good Christmas movie revenge for him because he's in Die Hard 2. Right. One of his first roles. But he was supposed to have a much bigger role in that movie because they're like, oh, this guy's a great actor. They didn't realize how short he was. And they were like, yeah, you can't be a henchman. You're too short. So that's why he's only got like two really quick scenes where like he says nothing. Right. And he's out of the movie. He was supposed to have a bunch of lines and actually, you know, have a bit of a story to tell in that movie. So good for him that he finally got to play a Christmas villain. Yeah, he was good too because he actually has like a backstory where it's like, I mean – it's a little bit of a stretch on why you would turn out so rotten, but I kind of get it. <laughs> yeah, there you it's, go. It's not just like senseless for the sake of senseless, but uh, well, it, was, it was a good movie. That's a, that's a, going to be a new Christmas rewatch. It's getting a lot of good reviews. Apparently, there's also a Mel Gibson one that's very similar called Fat Man. Oh, yeah? That uh, It's him and it's uh, Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah. And uh, Goggins is like a hitman. And uh, he gets paid, paid by some rich guy who didn't get what he wanted for Christmas, or he got a lump of coal for Christmas. Go and kill Santa. And uh, so Goggins goes up to the North Pole to kill Mel Gibson or Santa Claus. <laughs> That's all. That's weird. Was Apparently, it's good. Barbie? I was literally just watching a Family Guy episode last night where Stewie did the exact same thing. He was uh, he got slighted in the Christmas line. Uh, yeah, and he didn't get to see Santa, so he gets Brian to take him to the North Pole. But then it actually gets really sad because Santa's oh, like, I know. The, the the North Pole's like they're like this is not a sustainable business model. We're giving out all these toys. All we're getting is uh, cookies and milk. We can't live on cookies and milk. And all the like elves are horribly mutated, and yeah, they're all freaks. It's really sad. Yeah, 
Um, like the first Family Guy Christmas special was hilarious. Uh, where because uh, they're like, tag the balls on Uncle Charlie, <laughs> fellow. <laughs> yeah, because uh, well, what happens is the first that was a great one. It starts off with them at like the town tree lighting, and uh, Peter just drunkenly drives his car. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I have Happy birthday, me. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, just so you you know Ellie in Full Metal Jacket where they're doing the training season at, uh, scene at the beginning, and Arlie Irby's walking through, he's like, "Happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Jesus." <laughs> My brother and I went through like a phase, like three or four Christmases, where we'd sing that every Christmas morning before we went presents. My parents were like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> Another good uh, cartoon uh, Christmas uh, episode. Because uh, you mentioned oh, it was the Futurama. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, watched I that the other day. Yeah, the two with, uh, well, I think Goodman only voiced him in the first one. But the two with the big evil Santa Claus. I like the yeah. one better, though, where they actually like, go to the North Pole. And uh, they like, kind of free the elves, but they have to go to deliver the presents because they froze uh, the evil Santa Claus and Bender Santa. Right. <laughs> they're singing that song. They're like, it's very late and we're getting tired, but we've done the best we can. And Bender's like, this is terrible craftsmanship. I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> Bender being angry and disappointed at the elves reminds me of you when you're like just. <laughs> You're angry and upset with someone <laughs> because you're annoyed. You can see it on your face that you're annoyed, but you don't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. What's well, like? Uh, what's the line from Liar Liar? He's just like, "Am I gonna do anything about it? No, I'm gonna piss him on like an innate jerk and just take it up the tailpipe." <laughs> uh, apart from that, thinking some other great old TV uh, Christmas episodes. The Community Claymation Christmas episode uh, is one of my favorites but i even like the one the year before that where I they beat up anthony better do you like the one that beat up anthony michael hall and his crew yeah. a little better i think i might too because i really like that one as well I just love <laughs> well i mean there's the there's knock the knock who's there my fist up your balls well that he's like he just to show how menacing he's like give me that snowman jerk he staples it to his Dude, my life is a gem. <laughs> he was so good on that. I wish they had him as more of a recurring character. And then he just barnstorms their Spanish exam. He's like, Senor Chang, can you do something about this? He's like, I'm going to allow it. And he's just like, he's like, look at here. Forehead's taking a test. And he's like, it's Usted, dude. Even I know that. And he's like, how dare you correct my Spanish? Uh, is that the one where he's like... Tears is like maybe I then could go back to the family tent and find a chicken for third jump. He's trying to teach him how to fight, and he's like, um, he's like, pretend I'm someone who annoys you, and so he starts like really wailing on the bags, and then so he kicks him in the shin, and then he's like, Troy's like. It's like that was unnecessary. He's like, well, that foxy black girl didn't think so. So he kicks him. He's like, he's like, why'd you do that? And then Troy's like, why she got to be back? <laughs> like two were in the middle of the fight. Dan just punches Jeff in the face. And he's like, I gave uh, Jeff my Christmas present early. He's like, you guys get hit like six times before you punch me. 
Yeah, I love where he's like, he's like, in my day, the fighting was par for the course. You'd smoke a doobie, feel up a gal, and get your teeth knocked in by a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'm changing my vote. I think I like that better than the claymation one. Oh yeah, it's just I think well, that's my favorite one. Yeah, just the pure ridiculousness. Like even the first yeah. scene, Mohammed <laughs> takes all the winter doodles, and uh, yeah. and he's like, he's like, hey. You still call the winter doodles. He's like, they're from my friends. He's like, but there's, uh, he's like, there's plenty more. He's like, I have a tree nut allergy. He's like, well, you should stay away from the uh, the tree shaped cookies. Like, ha, 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 that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but the there's the other like social aspect of that because you know Shirley's so hell bent because of uh, like her family's fighting and blah blah blah. So this is her like Christmas celebration. But yeah, she's. Uh, they talk about the different like religions and how like you know you just got to learn to accept everybody because Annie's Jewish, Troy's Jehovah's Witness, uh, Brit is an atheist, Abed's Muslim, Muslim, and then Pierce is in a cult. Was that the one where uh, where uh, Jeff's like I'm agnostic and they all boo him? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's lazy man, lazy atheism. <laughs> yeah, I still say that to this day. Oh well, I get that. Bryn says that to me too, because that's me. I'm I'm agnostic. That's where I, I am. I mean, the worst thing you could be is just a non-believer in just anything. It's just it's depressing. But, I think every single religion knows just as much as everyone else. Yeah. Well, the, you ever see uh, that show, The Good Place? Yeah. I like the picture they have that guy who's like, who's he? And they're like, oh, he's a. He's a teenager from Calgary, and in 1988 on an acid trip, he uh, got about 80% of it right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the closest anyone's gotten. Um, but I don't know where we where we go from here, but uh, I guess you can use that community episode to pivot. If you're with your family, don't talk religion. Don't talk politics. Oh, oh that's, yeah. that's another great, more recent SNL skit. Uh, it's called The Perfect Christmas. Uh, Matt Damon and um, I think it's Cecily Strong. Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, they're a couple. And they're sitting down at the Is end this of the one about the- Weezer? No, no. Uh, oh, okay. I'll do- he did one with... Uh, I don't know if it's a Christmas one, though. He did one basically where... Uh, it's And Cecily Strong's his wife in that one, too. Oh. And so they're invited over to someone's house for dinner. And uh, Leslie Jones sitting across from him, he's like, oh, who put this on? Ah, it's Weezer, right? <laughs> and, like, uh, he loves Weezer, and she loved the Blue Album and thinks that Weezer's shit after the Blue Album. <laughs> so they start fighting about Weezer, and no one else knows what they're talking about. He's like, his wife's like, you know who I like is Yellow Card. He's like, why don't we get a divorce? <laughs> See where Leslie Jones like, breaks a glass in her hand because she's so... She hates Weezer so much. Um, shit. The... The, no, the um, this is it's called the perfect Christmas, and so they're sitting down at the end of Christmas, like our kids are gone to bed, and they're like, "That really was the perfect Christmas." And he's like, started off this seeing the kids so happy, and then they're like both like sound asleep while the kids are just like jumping, like hitting them in the face, like it's Christmas. Like, oh, for fuck's sakes! It's like starting at five a.m. And it's like, um, it's like you were up all night putting that uh, playhouse together, but. It was worth it seeing the look on her face and that day. It was like, I don't get it. What are these for? And he's like having a meltdown. And he's like, yeah. my, my cousin didn't offend you, did I? And he's wearing like a 2020 Trump hat. He's like, he's like, 
He's like, you're the racist. No, no, no. He's kidding. He's like, it's supposed to show like it was a nightmare Christmas, but they're like, Matt Damon's like, oh, it's fine. It's really funny. It's not yeah, because everything's okay in hindsight. Yeah. The way he said that you're a racist. me the another community line. Remember they're doing the the uh, the uh, the flashback episode of like episodes that like, didn't air. Oh yeah, and yeah. Pierce is like, well, I'm being racist. Come on, being racist. I have seen enough cartoons that know that popping the back of a raft would make it go faster. Oh, God. For two and a half seasons, that was the best show in the world. And they just shat the bed. I didn't mind season three. Ugh. It was okay. It just wasn't up to that standard, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <sighs> anyway. Do you know... Uh, no, I was just gonna say, what's your? Uh, do you know what's weird for a show uh, that like, like, was speaking of brilliant, except for the first episode ever, The Simpsons did not air a Christmas special until season seven. Like all those golden years, yeah, uh, where they could have done some great Christmas episodes because the it is, by so- the way, though, a hell of a Christmas episode with Lord's Tyranny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a Christmas. Hope you go to the Valley of Vista, try and say, kid. You're not coming into my store right now. He's a little boy stealing little toys. Pretty soon he'll be a man stealing stadiums and toys. <laughs> oh boy! You know what's funny about that was again, Lord's tyranny, just like we was on Seinfeld. Horribly difficult to work with. Like he wanted, like they hired him because of that voice. Sure. And he wanted to do a wacky southern accent. Oh. Like, you can hear it. The, 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 you can sort of hear it at the beginning. He's like, I'm button your coach. <laughs> like, like, you can sort of hear this like, little southern thing that he wanted to do. And then he wouldn't read jokes if he didn't get them. And so the writers are like, it'll make sense of the finished product. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Santa Claus. Like, here you go, little boy. Yeah, I don't pay him. Crushes it in his hand. <laughs> it's Don Rodka. That's right, Don Rodka. That's right, Don Rodka. <laughs> apparently, I haven't watched it yet, uh, but apparently the name Don Rodka was the most masculine name they could possibly come up with. I can see that. <laughs> if I wanted smoke blowing up my ass, I'd be home with a pack of cigarettes and a short like the hose. All right, Mr. Comedian, con your parents. <laughs> he switches the tape with uh, Camp Granada. I watched it last week, but I might watch I watched it again. Last week too. Yeah. Oh my! Oh Fada! I just said Camp Granada. And then the next, uh, the next season was the uh, where Bart gets up early and accidentally torches the tree. Yeah. He's like, for there will be no fire truck for little Bart, no yellow sweater for little Lisa, no Cajun sausage for little Homer. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and then what's funny is, like, the, the next one is the one with that, like, uh, Funzo. Uh, and I yeah. remember, they cram it, like, there's so many funny jokes in that, but they're all crammed into the first half. Yeah. Like, the second half's not very funny. Right. Like, the, the first half has the whole... Um, I want to watch Brett Favre! And he's got his French circus flag, and then they go to the French circus and listen to that radio report, and he's like, we got a northwesterly turning into a northeasterly turning into snow, turning into snow, the melting overnight turning into summer! Like, that cracks me up. And then, uh, oh, boy. 
yeah, and then it just kind of goes off the rails. I just peters on a cliff. But there's oh, and the then the, the other one too would be the one where they get trapped in the school and they're watching that horrible Christmas movie <laughs> with the Christmas hobgoblins. <laughs> I will always be true to you. Know what's funny? Uh, yeah. just for you, I actually almost put that into the edit of that video. <laughs> I wish you did. I took that clip. <laughs> I was actually able to like rip it, rip it off YouTube. But I think I just like either misplaced the clip or I just like this is three minutes. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll just leave it as it is. Like, yeah. Three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Well, a couple more minutes because no, like we'll we're done reminiscing with the TV and movies. Like we've we've obviously talked about our favorite stuff. I'm sure, like you know, we didn't even touch on any of the quote unquote like classics. Like it's a Wonderful Life or uh, Christmas Story or. Well, depending on how quick you can edit them, we could probably get a third episode out of this. That's true. But we also have to save some fodder for next Christmas. Well, I mean, we're going to have, well, next Christmas we might be in completely different places, so we'll have more different stuff to talk about. You never know. Yeah, that's true. We were talking about it last week, about the uh, preamble to Christmas being more exciting than the, the day. Yeah. Because it's like routinely, especially around my house, like you know, you know what's weird? Except for the horrible Star Wars that have grossly let me down, I haven't watched Star Wars that much since my dad's heart attack. Oh, okay. Because we had this lovely day. We went out Christmas shopping. This is like twelve years ago, ten years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, we went out Christmas shopping. Uh. And then I was watching, I think I threw on Jedi or A New Hope, and uh, I was wrapping presents. My mom comes in. You gotta, we gotta go. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I think your dad's having a heart attack. And this is like two, two, three weeks before Christmas. And and we took him to the hospital. And I already told you the story, but I'm going to say it again because uh, the first time we recorded it didn't take. But uh, So they're taking my dad away, thinking I might not ever see him again because we don't know the severity or any of this stuff. Yeah. One of the few times I told him I love, he hits me back with a, okay. (laughs) Your dad played it pretty cool, though. Like, I think that that's one of the things. The way you tell that story, because he didn't freak out, it probably helped save his life. Well, actually, what saved his life? Well, two things. Well, my, didn't your mom kind of save his life because you, your mom knew exactly what to look for and like was the one that she, thought that he was having a heart attack? Because yeah, he was just sitting there. He's in like a weird cold sweat. He was very unresponsive. He was just kind of like and like he almost didn't want to go because you know how stubborn my dad can be. Jeez. Oh, uh, and um, <laughs> just because it reminds me of your dad because your dad sometimes like this. Yeah. You know those like be a man mafia minutes. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. One that's just like have a heart attack. It's the manliest thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> and this is classic my family. Yeah. The whole way to the hospital, my mom's freaking out, telling me to drive slower, drive faster. My dad's like, oh, they made you drive? Yeah. Uh, well, my dad's in the back seat, like just laying down, and he's like, Glenn, for Christ's sake, will you shut the hell up and let him drive? <laughs> like they're just arguing. <laughs> the so. 
yeah so that was like one of the first ones and then like a christmas later like my mom was diagnosed with cancer and so it's just like christmas like we got sacked around the holidays for the last 10 years it's always yeah so, yeah i know why you know what i did that was like my childhood like uh what's it called we had uh my grandfather died just after the holidays right and uh What's it called? We had like a lot of like upsetness around the holidays. November, I think I mentioned like November has been like the bad month for my family. Right. The eleventh month is always rough, so we had a lot of death in November. So the holidays are always kind of start with a a gloom, if you will. Yeah, but let's hope for good health this year. Well, you told let's me last week with plenty of cheer. You told me last week you made it out of November, no deaths. Knock on wood. Yesterday was December 11th, and everything was okay then. You go. So, knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just take every day as it comes, and hopefully they're good days. Christmas or no Christmas. It's not like a fortune cookie. Yeah, but it's just the way you got to live life when you get a little older, right? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm getting that age now too. You ever notice when you like, you'll see people like they're totally bald and they have glasses, and you're like, "This guy's ten, like ten years older than me." Hey, how old are you? They're like four years younger than you. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I like, have a very. Great like, I guess I do look pretty good for my age. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm very grateful. I mean, I can always look better, but uh, I mean, I got a thick head of hair and like relative, still youthful looks. And uh, yeah. I have like just a couple little like lines of gray streaks. Just the the Reed Richards. You got the good Reed Richards hair coming yeah. in there. Yeah, but I mean it can always be worse. Uh, you can't Campbell. Well, there you go. Well, he shaves his head. That's the thing. So Campbell, unless his face keeps turning into the catcher's mitt that it has been for the last uh, twenty years, um, because he's bald, he's a cue ball. He'll always look a little younger. I know people who are like in their mid fifties look like they could be in their thirties just because they stay in shape and they're bald, right. so you can't tell that they're going gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or they don't have that uh, horseshoe going on. Like that's the one yeah, yeah, because they bick it. Yeah, that's the one thing about Seinfeld. I like I couldn't remember how old those guys were, but like you know, George could have easily been like forty five or like thirty five. Yeah. I always figured they were late 30s, and then as the show went on, they entered their 40s. Right. Yeah. Because I think in the first season, George is like 33. That's yeah. the other funny thing. When you look at, like, we always talk about this, because there was the one year where we were watching, I think we were watching Die Hard. Yeah, because uh, Willis was 33 when he shot that. Yeah, we we were talking, because I think I texted you, or we were, like, uh, it wasn't during COVID, because we would have been too old now, but... Uh, I think I texted you. I'm like, yeah, Willis is our age when he made Die Hard. We, we do not look like that. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing. Bruce Willis is going bald. Yeah. You know, and he's playing like a grizzled cop when he would have been on this job for like seven or eight years. Right. It's like, is that long enough to be grizzled, you know? And uh, what's it called? What was the other thing about? And, oh, so that's actually kind of one thing that sort of pissed me off about the uh, the new Santa Claus movie. Because if you do the, the show, because if you do the, it's weird because like the show takes place over the course of like four or five years because they do multiple Christmases, right? Right. Um, but they basically infer that Tim Allen is turning 65 
And when you do them, he keeps saying, I've been doing this for 29 years, which means in like the first one, he was in his early 30s. Right. Uh, but like I looked up and did the math on how old he was when he actually shot it, and he was 40. Right. When he shot the first, uh, and it was released when he was 41. So I'm like, that's bullshit. He was older than me. I was getting <laughs> mad at the TV because they were trying to insist. But like on uh, Full House, there's an episode of Full House in the first season where they celebrate Danny Tanner's 30th birthday. I'm like, he had three kids and his wife died before he turned 30? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Life was different back then. Um, shit, what was I going to say? Well, make it quick because I got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, you look at the home improvement, right? He's like a 40-something dad. And then you look at uh, that show Last Man Standing made like 15 years later. He's still yeah. supposed to be like a middle-aged dad. It's like, no, no, you were like yeah. 60s at that point. Like, get out of here. Yeah. 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 I think he's supposed to be older than Tim Taylor, though. Right. I've never seen the show, but I think he's supposed right. to be older than Tim Taylor. Yeah. Um, one last thing. Do you know what I saw the other day? They did a re-release because it was the 30th anniversary. So Westdale Theater in uh, by Mac did a, it's called Drunken Cinema, where... They encouraged, fun. they encouraged you to drink. And yeah. uh but they showed Batman Returns. That's a Christmas movie. That's set yeah. around the holidays. That is. That and is. So basically they were like, here are the rules. Like it, it's almost like a Rocky horror where it's more interactive. Like when like you pick a character and every time that character comes on screen, you're like, you hoot. Or it's like yeah. uh uh every time they reference Christmas, you take a drink. And it's like, oh, wow. it's like, I hope you have a ride home and I hope you drink responsibly, but we're not going to monitor it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, do, they serve, do they serve beer there? I guess they always a BYOB. I think they actually did serve beer, but I think I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if people snuck in some hooch. But uh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure they probably weren't like patting people. I probably could have brought in a case like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got to go to bed. All right. Uh, should we uh, wish the people a Merry Christmas now, or do you think we got one more in this? Ah, let's do a Merry whatever you celebrate, and uh, we'll save the rest of our fodder for next year. Right. But uh, so there will be the VIP episode, and we are going to yeah. do a New Year's year review kind of thing. So this ain't the last of us. See if you can wrap up this one with the uh, with Krusty the Clown. You know, he's like, "Have a tip top tat." Yeah. <laughs> See if you can wrap it up with that one. Yeah. So I like that. <laughs> anyway, you play it classified. So have a merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, crazy Kwanzaa, a tip top tat, and a solemn, dignified Ramadan. From all of us at Family Guy, we wish you Christmas joy. May all your wishes now come true for every girl and boy. We hope your freaking holidays are filled with fun and cheer. So have a Merry Christmas and... One, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yeah, 